Political Unmuted is a weekly politics show based in the northeast of England. The audience chooses the topics and we discuss them. So enjoy Political Unmuted. And welcome everybody, um, sort of, uh, <laughs> I don't know how smooth it is at your end, but there's a fair amount of chaos going back backstage here. <laughs> and, uh, so um, welcome to the 37th edition. Um, 37 symbolizes exploration, introspection, creativity, independence, self-determination and self-expression. And it's perhaps appropriate um, on the weekend, just after the weekend of um, sort of International Women's Day, uh, and sort of that we should have a, a title which says, what does it say, Paul, that we've got as our title it, today? I believe it says um, women in trade unions celebrating something. So that's 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 great. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm doing a that's fantastic good. job today. I'm very, very proud of myself and all the things that I'm messing up. It is quite a spectacular feat. We've also managed to uh, mess up like Facebook went off for some reason. I have no idea why, but it did. Um, and now people are coming back in again, so uh, it's it's all a little bit odd, <laughs> but you know, gremlins are trying to destroy the the impact of women on this program. But we have women, and we have three trade unionists. So God bless you. The the, the title fits. We're here today. Welcome, 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 Heather Swallow. God bless you. She says hello, team, dream team, and 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 sort of we have a new member. For our dream team just very very quickly now now i'm going to warn you before this because everybody who listens to this show knows that i find the uh, irish accent particularly sonorous i get into awful trouble off samantha who says it's a very rude and personal thing to say um sort of i just can't see that sort of it's it, it, but hello sort of now hello tina hello how are you there we go. <laughs> I never said a damn word, Samantha. Never said a damn word. Um, so uh, you're so welcome. Um, Tina's standing in for Laura today. Um, Tina, tell us something about yourself. Tell us who you are. Oh, well, I could be here all night telling you who I am. But it's what you really want to hear, though. Um, yeah, I, um, well, I think the most recent thing I did, shall I say, was I uh, was a PPC, stood as a candidate um, for the Labour Party um, in the last general election uh, in Colchester. So that's enough of my story anyway. And I don't think people need to hear any more of that. So happy to carry <laughs> on. So I had no idea you were so important. Sort of, I'm, I'm anticipating <laughs> that, that, that you lost. Was it sort of a bit of a Hail Mary where you were standing or did, 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 was it a close run thing? How did it go? Um, uh, you know, like like a lot of the seats, I think um, Brexit and the, the sort of swivel that we did on the policy made a huge impact there. So um, it was a very heavy um, leave supporting seat and a, a very sort of no deal supporting seat. So once we kind of did the the backtrack on the policy, um, it was pretty much game over, but it was good fun. Good fun. A good experience. A learning. And are you going to have another go next time? I mean, uh, or has this just sort of destroyed your, your parliamentary hopes? Oh, I think that's another conversation for another time, considering the state of the Labour Party at the moment. But, you know, I'm a big believer... A big believer in, in 2024. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> I 
<laughs> that's it. Anyway, thank you so much for, for, for being here and joining us. And um, uh, sort of, I shall be terrified of you all night now. I didn't know you were talking to us all that. <laughs> to the rest of the team, Paul, welcome. Hello. Hello. Paul's very stressed tonight um, because everything's going wrong. So um, just you can just enjoy watching the look on his face as he wrangles with the technology. Stuart, so lovely to see you. How are you, Owen? And finally, Samantha. Hello. I used to live in Colchester because uh, oh, really? I went to the University of Essex. Ah, I went to the University of Sunderland, so oh, well, not too far go. away. <laughs> a, a, a veritable reunion. Um, and <laughs> sort of the other exciting thing that I've got to tell you today, everybody, is that the jingles aren't working. So I can sing the jingle. <laughs> at the very beginning, Tina, we, we had no technology at all. And so I just sang the jingles and it was very silly. But now we come to the moment of the week. And I'm going to leave you to the last one, Tina. Paul, what was your moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week, uh, I was going to go for one thing, but I've changed it. Um, my moment of the week is that the BBC have referred itself to some sort of complaints commission because when Emily Maitlis um, made that statement about Dominic Cummins when she when she was on Newsnight and she said he's broken the rules and stuff, so the BBC referred itself to this this big thing and, and, and Ofcom or something like that and Ofcom have found them not guilty because Emily Mavis was allowed to basically say what she wanted to say and uh, as it turned out there were a total of five complaints that were put in to inspire the BBC to do this. Two were complaints about what she said and three were complaints about the fact that what she said was fine and the BBC shouldn't have referred itself. Um Contrast that with when Jeremy Corbyn had a Russian hat on and there were thousands of complaints went in. The BBC wouldn't disclose it, but said, we've done nothing wrong. We're fine. We didn't alter his hat that much to make him look that much more Russian. And he shouldn't be a big commie anyway. So, um, <laughs> so that's, that is the state of our media at the moment. That is the state of our national broadcaster referring themselves to, to, to a commission because they said the truth about Dominic Cummins, but like when they actually do something genuinely wrong, they deny it. So, go BBC. I've stopped watching the BBC news. Um, so to tell you the truth, it just churns my stomach. Um, Stuart, moment of your week. Uh, I've been uh, selected once again uh, from a home seat of Chilton for the county council elections. So you know. Uh, showing you how complicated the whole process is of getting selected uh, when uh, issues arise and things have to change. Uh, there's, there's quite a process to go through and we finally managed it and I'm now very proud uh, to be standing for my home village. The inertia in the system is horrific. Have you got your campaign all ready and gearing up? Sort of? oh, absolutely, yeah. Starting fires already. Are you knocking doors, Stuart? Are you going to be knocking doors? I don't think so. I don't think I'll uh, risk anyone uh, with that one. I suspect I'll be leafleting. Leaflet? Are you going to be delivering leaflets? I think so, yeah. If you need any help delivering leaflets, give us a call. Oh, thank you. Stuart came round and, and helped me um, litter-picking my award one, one, on a, a number of occasions, didn't you? So, yeah. um, sort of, um, we, 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 there's a great kind of um, 
uh, support between uh, Chiltern Labour and Newton Acliffe Labour. So thank you very much. All the very best. You'll be a brilliant candidate and, and, and God bless. Um, Samantha T. Samantha T. Lots of support for Stuart in the comments. Tim, Laura and Leanne all, all being very excited about uh, Stuart come, um, being selected. And I just want to personally thank him actually for not um, being a dick about all women shortlists because every other man who's had to do this dance that I know of has ended up just saying some really stupid things about all women shortlists in the process. And Stuart's been very comradely in the way that he has uh, dealt with this situation and the fact that all women shortlists made his journey a bit more difficult than it perhaps needed to be. So thank you. Um, my moment of the week is, of course, finally number one. <laughs> In Shildon, absolutely. Now I hear that Deanna Davison personally uh, threw the call in and drove it herself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is, of course, not true. She turned up a week before it was due to move, made sure she got a photo up with me, and then made sure she did not give me any credit at all, didn't even mention my name in the Facebook post or the fact that I was an elected councillor. I am a campaigner. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a bit, bit of an interesting situation going on. Um, I'm really glad locomotion number one is home in Shildon. Uh, I'm really glad that... Um, some of the residents are giving me some of the praise that I do rightly, you know, I, I, I should get just for the, the work that I have put in to support in the museum. At the end of the day, I didn't drive the vehicle here myself. I did not do anything physically to give the museum the money to move it, but I gave them the moral support so that hopefully I helped them stand firm against some horrific abuse from Darlington um, and and the residents seem to be really uh, happy and I've had some lovely messages. I had an actual phone call from an actual person and several emails and uh, somebody is commenting on the Northern Echo website speaking positively about me. It's a new experience for me getting <laughs> positive comments. <laughs> So I'm soaking it up. I'm going to stick them all in a book and I'm going to look at it when I'm sad. <laughs> I have a suspicion about who that is, actually. Okay. I suspect <laughs> someone. I'm not, I'm not going to say a thing. I'm not going to say a thing. But okay. I, I, I'll say it privately later on who I suspect okay. it is. It's your biggest Tim fan. says we've all got to sing, do the locomotion. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Uh, it, I told you it's my chance to sing tonight. Um, it's sort of Samantha. Um, Here's a question for you. When um, locomotion number one first arrived in Aycliffe, actually, not Sheldon, sort of, um, how did it arrive? Oh, uh, gosh, it must, was it pulled by horses? Yes, it was on a wagon pulled by horses. <laughs> well done. What were the horses' names? Um, sort of, <laughs> Evan, Steve, <laughs> Boris, um, Dehenna. Dehenna was the, one Dehenna. of the horses as well. It came down from Newcastle, and the reason it got put on at Hankton Lane was because that was where the A1 got closest to the Stockton and Darlington. Mm -hmm. Right. And then um, it, did, it, did they steam it to Shildon? And then the passengers got on. 
No, I mean, what well, this, this was a few days before they, they got it lit. There's a oh, I'm so sorry, Tim. You see our big moment coming. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the, the Stockton Dyke. The, the, it was like an IKEA package. They, they sort of they, it was kit. They put it all together and assembled it and sort of sort of got the big spanner and screwed it up. And sort of then they had to test it. And of course, they had the coal, but they couldn't set fire to the coal. Nobody had a light, no matches. <laughs> So they sent the boy to the um, the local pub, which was presumably the county, and and asked him to uh, get the um, uh, get a, a, and he never came back. <laughs> so, so, it, we, we can guess why. So the um, the engineer had a trick to light his pipe because he had um, a uh, magnifying glass and he used to light his pipe with a magnifying glass. So what he did, and it was a sunny day, he lit the first time with a magnifying glass and they got it going and they tested it up and down the line for a few days and then it because it went to its home in children where it stayed for its entire working life in the soho works chucking <laughs> down that station and back home and um sort of um i've got to be very careful about this because we have to work together as as authorities to uh, sort of the whole line. I'm so glad that a deal thing worked out on that. And and and, yeah. and finally, to our, our, I guess, moment of the week, Tina. Oh, th this one actually had me. There was quite a few that I could have chosen. And I feel like I'm really boring now after that lovely uh, conversation there. But to bookend it, uh, as Paul started with the BBC, I'll end with the BBC. And this was something that I think I didn't see it live because like uh, yourself, John, I don't really watch BBC News anymore, but I saw this um, on Twitter and it kind of nearly fell off a chair whenever I saw it because I thought, is this a parody or, you know, is this actually something that's on the BBC News? And it was uh, an explanation of the, the debt that had been accrued during the pandemic. And um, it was an explanation of the government debt, how they'd accrued this money and basically that... Um, Austerity is a complete and utter myth and uh, the money has been obviously printed by the Bank of England, which is obviously supposedly independent, but as an extension of the government. Um, so it's quantitative easing, really. They've printed the money and we don't really necessarily have to pay this back because or, or straight away because this is money that the government technically owes itself. And if you owe yourself money, well, you're not going to kind of cut money from your budget to spend to go, oh, well, I owe myself some money, so I'm not going to buy food this week, you know. But yeah, it was like this This is, you know, it's come up a couple of times. Uh, I know that Yanis Varoufakis, for all his faults, has explained um, how an economy works, how the budget works on question time. I think hmm, a few years before I stopped watching that as well. But you don't often see this in the the sort of um, the mainstream. You know, we hear all the time about Thatcher's kind of ideology of, you know, the economy runs like a household budget and, you know, you can only spend what you bring in. And this has been the mantra for so long. So all of a sudden, you know, to hear the, the BBC reveal this almost like it was breaking news, you know, something that they've known for decades, you know, but it still took me by surprise. And it was like, God, I wasn't expecting that from the BBC. Not sure whether we'll hear it again or whether we'll hear it explained in more detail. But, you know, um, yeah, it was it was certainly a bit of a moment of the week whenever I heard that. But yeah, if you can find that clip, just hold on to it, just in case that clip disappears and you never see it again. But yeah, 
certainly a, a good moment of the week. It was a smashing moment of the week, mm -hmm. one that we need to sort of um, retweet again and again and again. Thank you so much for, for because it, if, if necessary, we could just write it off as bad debt and it'll disappear. We won't even have it. And, and I don't know, you probably know me this more, but is it two thirds of our national debt is owed to ourselves anyway? I think, oh no, I think it's a, it's slightly less than that. I don't want to give the figure on that. I know that um, of the pandemic debt, the, the money that was borrowed um, last year, 92% was from the Bank of England. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. So when, whenever Rishi, you know, I know we're going to talk about the budget a bit later on, but, you know, when he's going on about, oh, the, this need to, to pay back the debt, well, you know, he's just talking absolute bullshit. Oh, sorry. No, okay. Um, <laughs> he's not, however, the second half. Um, <laughs> the, 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 when we're more open. Um, thank you so much. Four brilliant moments of the week. God bless you. But now it's time for the big story. <laughs> and um, so it's much better when I do it to you. I, I tell you, so people liked it much more. Um, the, so the, and the, the big story today is. Um, the budget, um, and with it, sort of the, the, the little sort of fallout spin-offs, which actually um, sort of two percent of the speech, the budget speech, was about um, Teesside and, and and Middlesbrough, and you just think, wow, fame at last. The sort of um, Andy didn't sort of think that it was South of Nottingham. So. Um, Sam, tell us about the budget, tell us what you think of it, and then we'll see what everybody else has to say about what you said. Yeah, I mean, but wasn't the budget all a very, very big way of saying, um, we're not, we're not going to do anything really scary right now, but wait till next time. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that was the tone of the whole thing, wasn't it? So we've got, like Tina says, we're, we're getting all of this debt and ooh, if the, if the um, interest rate changes, we're going to be in real trouble. And it, that's total rubbish because it's loaned to us by the Bank of England, who are us, uh, and they do not have any interest in making us have to pay back billions of pounds and they can stop that from happening um so um yeah and this weird thing where this budget has basically been an election launch for ben houch and the tees valley mayor so darlington is getting the treasury campus and darlington's getting the free port and there's this whole thing about the free port that uh it's a brexit thing it's nothing to do with brexit uh we had free ports before they were scrapped because they didn't work they didn't create jobs they moved jobs and centralized them around the free port and they became a, like a really easy way to smuggle things in and out of the country so actually is this what we want it sounds like a big white elephant it's not going to solve the problems for the people in Teesside. What would help solve the problems for the people of Teesside is um, investing in public transport so they can actually get the bus to work. <laughs> and really basic stuff like that. In the end, they're mayor spending so much taxpayer money on an airport during a pandemic when you can't fly anywhere. <laughs> it's just such a ridiculous waste of money. And I, I feel so much for the people of the Tees Valley because of course airport, it's nice to have an airport. Um, but 
you know, we, it's basically an airport that mostly serves domestic uh, travel. And is that an area that we want to grow to, uh, you know, improve our green economy? I don't think we want more planes to Bristol. <laughs> we want buses to Middlesbrough, please. Um, and the thing about the Treasury, yes, great. Uh, it's great to have government jobs in the north. Yes, brilliant. But for the first lot of jobs, are they jobs that are just being relocated from London or are they going to be jobs for people from Darlington? That's the question on the people of Darlington's lips at the moment. You know, starts off being, ooh, 700 new jobs. Actually, if you look at the figures, Darlington has lost about 7,000 civil servant jobs <laughs> over the last 10 years. So it's not great in terms of... Um, that there's about 700 jobs locally being cut from the HMRC recently in that area. So not really being given a whole lot and perhaps being given even less if these are just people mostly relocating from London. Um, and yes, of course, it makes sense to put uh, the Treasury on the main uh, train route, but also, are we making it easy for people to get here or easy for people to escape? <laughs> we don't want all of the money and all of those people just uh, living elsewhere. We want that money spent in Darlington, of course. So there's loads of questions yet to be asked. It's not a silver bullet by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Um, Obviously, there are uh, there is an election for the Tees Valley Mayor coming up, and I very much hope people will vote for Jesse George Jacobs over uh, Ben Houchin for some actual transformative politics and not just just your politics shiny things all over the place. Thank you. Um, just very briefly, uh, Janet Matthews saying that the Financial Times said it was an election pitch for the the Mayor of Tees side. Um, uh, Stephen Humphrey. Um, I need you to explain some great things coming out of the budget, which made me think that you were saw some good in the budget, which we would have loved to explore. But then you said NHS getting shot on once again, which made me think that the first statement was um, sarcastic. So could you just, um, if you um, exemplify, um, we'll, and, 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 and talk a bit more about what you mean, we'll take... Uh, your um, your ideas there, and we'll, we'll we'll discuss them. Thank you very much indeed. Um, sort of various other things coming out. Tim Dredge, it's just it's a night for rude words. There's 130 million spacked on the airport. He says so it's a lot of support for your your um, uh, your, your airport free ports. I have things to say about free ports myself, but I'm the, I'm the, the chair, I'm the host, so I can't. <laughs> um, sort of, um, th there we go. So, so an awful lot of comments. Uh, thank you very much for your comment. People, keep them coming in. We'll comment on um, a very local view from Sam there, Tina. Looking at the budget as a national budget, sort of, what what was your opinion of it? I mean, did you see any good in it? I mean, people did see no. it. No, I think, you know, anything, anything that people see um, good from it is usually the spin or something that sounds like it's good. And then you start to peel away the layers, you know, after you get a chance to really have a look at it and you can see that, well, you know, we, we know firsthand as well that it's a Tory budget. It's never going to be good for us. It's never going to be good for ordinary people. It's never going to be good for working class, never going to be good for small businesses as much as they try to claim to be. And 
you know, for me, you know, it was quite clear that what this budget was, was there's local elections coming up in May. They know that Labour are absolutely, you know, crumbling to bits under Keir Starmer. This is, this was a full on attack. This was how can we get as many seats in the local elections, but also they put off things like the, the rising corporation tax. Um, that was, that's been, that's what, delayed for two years. So they're going to call an election before they have to raise those taxes. You know, this is what it's about. It's about the, the short term is the elections in May. The long term is that they're going to, you know, call an early election and they're not going to have to enact some of the things that they've pushed back on this budget. But it was an attack on ordinary people. You know, you look at um, income tax, you look at, you know, all the things to do with, you know, education, the NHS. It's it's an attack on ordinary people's lives, but it's always packaged in, in such a way that sounds good. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always the, the case of. Oh, but you know we've done so much we gave so much in the pandemic and you know we've got to pay this back but there's no acknowledgement of the fact that you know they didn't look after everybody in the pandemic you know there are still you know you know we very rarely hear anybody including on the opposition bench talking about the three million people that got nothing during the pandemic and you know the, the cuts you know what what i mean having to fight for an extra 20 pounds on universal credit which is extended you know for for a certain length of time you know all these things are you know, they give you they give you on one hand a little short term fix, but they take massively with everything else. And I think you know you know the Rishi Sunak is, is someone who is you know he he's someone that's angling for the top job. So you know everything that everything that he delivers is in such a way it's a PR machine. You know we know what's going on. I think anybody that expects anything good um, from a, a Tory chancellor, well you know I'm going to be very polite and say nothing, but you know. I don't think they're the, they're certainly not the party of the working people, that's for sure. And anybody else as well. Um, thank you for your comments. Uh, thank you for your comment, Tina, by the way. Uh, I sort of, um, uh, sort, of uh, sort of, every word you said, I, I, I was cheering on. Yes, 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 absolutely. It's all, so that, that little girl on the Albeck was just a quite <laughs> hand, isn't it? Um, lovely comments on the um, uh, things that, <laughs> Sort of um, good things coming out of it locally, um, but um, why where, didn't where the NHS? We're going to be talking about the pay rise later. Um, sort of, um, uh, sort of the, the budget didn't touch the climate or the environment. Um, sort of, uh, basically. Why would it? Or, why would it? <laughs> no substance. Um, and Laura, who should be getting, you should be doing your job application, Laura. That's why Tina's here. Turn it off. Start working, um, sort of the, um, this is the uh, Laura says um, uh, that anybody who says there's a similarity between that and the 2017 Labour uh, manifesto hasn't read either the budget or the Labour manifesto. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> put down in the house. Paul, what do you think of the budget? Have you got any wise comments for us? I'm just going to disagree with my wife very slightly. Um, so, so it, it, it sort of it, it nicked some of the language, didn't it? It nicked some of the language from the Labour Party manifesto. So I think we should be calling them raging commies because that's what we got called at the time for this really like moderate, this really moderate social democratic um, manifesto that apparently was this like kind of crazy. So why aren't they like superimposing a Russian hat onto Rishi Sunak? Um, I'm really worried my impression of Rishi Sunak will come out again tonight, so I'm going to have to be calm. 
But um, yeah, it's it's just absolutely nonsensical, you know. Like they've they've said these things in the budget, and it is all about PR and spin. When you dig down into the detail of what is actually happening, they aren't given very many people very much at all. Moving the treasury, it does appear from the language they're using that it is just going to be existing people forced to move house. So it's like, well, if you work at the treasury, you you live in Darlington now. And it's like, <laughs> right, okay. So that that's what it appears to be, but things may change. I, I really don't know. We can't second guess anything. Oh, Rochelle wants me to do my impression, but uh, maybe later, maybe in the second half. Um, and <laughs> I didn't know I did one. I'm actually. sorry, I'm going to interrupt you, Paul. I'm going to interrupt you. You're going to have to give way to me. Because Stephen Humphreys, was it Jake Ratcliffe saying, I, I went teacher mode when I was telling your wife off. Um, but sort of, you went teacher mode then. That was real teacher mode. So if you're very good at listening, um, sort of, and, and, and you behave yourself, it says, I'll do my impression at the end of the lesson. I'll that was 100% teacher. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Go on, carry on. Um, yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say. So, um, yeah, it, it basically, it's just been, uh, it, it, it's a spin it's a spin budget, isn't it? It's trying to say we are we are for you, we are for that, but like it's more beneficial to the Tory areas than it is to Labour areas, and that's really really important. And I think it's been mentioned in the comments about the free ports. Um, the free ports didn't appear in Tyne and Weir. They didn't appear in like you know anywhere else in the country. But they did appear in like where there's an election coming up, and I think that's really important. And you know, these people who keep on, like, they kept on accusing everyone of playing politics. You're like, oh, Grenfell, you know when your politics made loads of people die in a fire? Well, don't play politics with that because it's not political, even though everything's political. But then they will play politics with every little thing. And they really do play. They don't, they don't like, have a, yeah, they, they have no real passion about anything. They're just like, how can this work out for for us? And I worry that that's like a direction that all of politics is going in. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what your convictions are. We'll just say things. And we'll say what you want to hear and then we'll just do something else and everyone will trot along with their lives because they're too busy to pay attention. So that's what I think it was all about. Stuart, um, the budget, if we can talk about the budget, it would be really good. Can you sort of, um, sort of the budget, any, any comments? Yeah, uh, obviously I work with the United community to try and uh, secure that universal uh, credit uplift. And that's been given an extra six months. So, you know, the cliff edge has just moved a little bit further away. And when you kind of get into the budget, there's lots of these little cliff edges mm. where there's just going to be a, that's it, back to normal. You, you know, your, li your life's going to have to, to, to pivot as if coronavirus didn't exist and changed the world. And, you know, people are really hurting right now because of how the world's changed. I don't think we're going to come out of it and revert back to how we were in 2017, 2018. It's going to be a completely different world. And we need to kind of have budgets in place that don't give cliff edges. You know, even if you didn't support the idea of, uh, you know, letting people afford to eat, you could at least taper it so it wasn't just, you know, drop off into nothing again. I'm terrified about some of these cliff edges. Um, uh, evictions is the one that scares me to me. I'm just having uh, a think. Um, I've got two comments to make before I move on, and just very quickly, Freeport's 
the worry about freeports is that what they do is they suck all the business out of the local hinterland, and and and, and sort of and we need to worry like that in Shildon and Newton Acliffe and places like North Yorkshire, sort of um, sort of we need to make sure that it's absolute growth that happens in that freeport and that it's not uh, sort of just moved business. And the second thing is is that what strikes me about moving the treasury to Darlington is, is you will remember in 2010. Sort of because the way that Labour and it was short termism, because what they did is they just moved government departments up here to give us jobs. They didn't create industry or any kind of economic base, uh, new Labour. They just moved jobs up and then the government jobs. And of course, what happened in 2010, Cameron turns up and he says, We're spending, we're putting far too much money into the loads of money coming to the northeast. I'm going to abolish all these jobs. And he just cancelled them. And sort of now they're pulling this 750. <clears throat> jobs out of the hat as though it's some miracle rabbit which is going to save the world and when we have our own mp saying um oh it's going to bring us such prestige and um uh, sort of um, the county council tina which you might not know the county council budget which was declared the week before which was mm. a good deal more sensible we're, we're creating thirty thousand jobs beat that Anyway, I, I'm talking. Can I can, can I just come back in with a yes, comment about the budget? Um, because I think it's something that you know we haven't um sort of raised tonight, and that's that, you know, all all what's said and done that you know the that Rishi's kind of you know come up with this masterclass in PR, you know, and I think you know it's easy to start peeling away the layers, but what none of us have raised is the fact that Labour offered nothing in return. And I think that's what really shocked me most about this was that there was nothing that came back to say this is what we would do. And if you go back over the last five years, when you had John McDonnell, who offered an alternative, who challenged the very narrative that the Tories were able to set. And I can't tell you anything that Labour have said, no, this is what you should do or this is what this is our alternative. They haven't even criticised it, you know, that badly, you know. And, and my worry is that, you know, when we have a very right wing government who, you know, have the, the sort of um, they're creating problems, but obviously, you know, masquerading it in spin, that when we're offering no solution, when we're offering no alternative for the people, where do those people turn who are losing their homes, who are losing their jobs, who have no money coming in, who, who are choosing between can I put the electric heater on tonight or can I have you know some food in the morning? When we're offering no alternative and no place to go, where do those people go? They turn to the people you know, who have the answers or what seem to be the answers. They, they're not the answers. It's a populist you know, scapegoating of who is the problem, but it doesn't offer you any solution. And this is where Labour, are, this is what's really infuriated me, not so much the Tories, because I expected them to deliver that kind of budget. In fact, I expected them to deliver it even worse. But... Labour have let everybody down because they haven't given in any way this is what we would do if we were in power. It's just a case of hmm, that wasn't good. Hmm. And that's not good enough. People need to know who you, who is there for them because who, who is there for the ordinary person at the moment? This is the issue. It's dangerous. You can come on again, Tina McCann. <laughs> Did, did you see uh, Jeremy Corbyn's response to the yeah. budget uh, through the piece? He's not even campaign. Labour MP at the moment. He's, He's not, not even Labour, Labour MP. MP. So, so he's, um, he, he did it, and it was exactly what I wanted to hear. It yeah. said exactly it was it was it, it was brilliant leadership, probably a lot more so than 
than when he was leader. To be honest, like it was really good. Unless, uh, unless I just miss him. He had the freedom to though, didn't he? He had the freedom yeah. to say, "This yeah. is what we would do," and and it's been proven that this is the these are the answers. And you know, this is socialist think tank run here. We know what the answers are. We know what the solution is, but we just don't have anybody willing to stand up and fight for it. So we we've, we've got to do it ourselves. But, but you know what we're doing is we're showing that we don't rock the boat that way. <laughs> that sort of I will, I will, I will have no truck with boat rocking. Power and not change anything. That's the, that's our pitch at the moment. Right. Okay. Um. Now. Okay. Sort of what we're going to do now, Ian. Um. Sort of. Do you want to sing, Paul? I'll I'll do I'll do the beat. I'll do. Uh, you're okay. You're okay. I can't do it because it's all. Uh, it, that, which means that it's through a compression microphone, which makes me not sound like me. But I've heard it all before. There you go. <laughs> okay, thanks. Of course, you're going to get. Now we come to the other questions. God bless you all. Um, a sort of. Um, I, 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 by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm very upset that there are lots of praise of my singing on the chat. So you can just put that right now, please. Um, and the sort of. Um, uh, and we basically we've got twenty minutes to do three questions. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the person just to comment um, and on it, and then for everybody else, people, if it's just sort of essential comments only, okay? And chop, chop. So um, Tina, you oh, just want to talk about the one percent pay rise? No, no, language, Tina. So you know what to talk about the one percent pay rise for nurses. Mm. Well, you wanted me to see to, to, to mind my language. There's not much I'm going to be able to say. <laughs> I'll behave myself. I'll behave myself. Um, but you mightn't get, you, you know, there's 15 minutes here. You know, nobody else is going to get a chance to speak. Um, the thing is that, you know, what do we say? I mean, th this is just beyond ridiculous. And I, I, I think, you know, you, you have to consider why they would do this these these people aren't stupid right they know that the public is going to be very much against this you know uh measly pay rise so why have they done it well they've done it because they're trying to avoid you know scrutiny of something else you know why, why we're all distracted trying to argue over a really pathetic pay rise you know they're getting away with everything else but I think the, the the other thing is that um, what maybe people haven't considered is that this is this is attached to um, the long term plan that the Conservatives have and that Labour support uh, for the NHS, which is about basically the end of the the National Health Service as we know. One of the biggest costs to the NHS is staffing. So if you can push some staff out, if you can demoralise, demotivate, and and get staff to leave. Well, then your costs to fully privatise are going to be a lot less. So there is the there is the um, overt um, plan that they've got here, which is, you know, that they just disregard the NHS staff. They don't value the staff. They don't value what they've done in a pandemic. Many people have risked their lives. They don't care about that. But that's a subsidiary to what their real goal is. And their real goal is about making sure that the NHS is more profitable to sell to sell to the American healthcare providers. And if you look at the long-term plan that, um, that Jonathan Ashworth, our dear shadow chancellor, waved about on Andrew Marr on Sunday, he himself supports this. And he actually used this as a defense of you know, the, the measly 2.1% raise that the Tories committed to in the long-term plan. 
both of which are absolutely disgraceful. So neither Labour nor the Tories look good here. But I think we do have to remember that while, yes, we do and should be really angry about this and we should be wanting to campaign get up to for a higher pay rise we must also be mindful of what the real issue here is and that's the demise of the nhs and if you look at the long-term plan bill if you look at this which is due to come in um next year to be legislated on it's really really scary and i think people will be you know if you're distracted from that you know we're we've got a lot to worry about but we do have a lot of campaigning to do on this we'll be we'll be we'll be on the ball there um Team comments. Anybody want to talk about this? Any say anything about this? I'll do. I'll do a really, really quick one. We've just confirmed. We've got a nurse coming on, um, uh, on Socialist Night Live on Saturday night. We're going to talk about striking. And I've, I've, we did a poll this week on Socialist Think Tank, and it was very tongue in cheek. So it said, uh, "Would you show solidarity to nurses if they chose to go on strike?" And the choices were. Yes, solidarity forever, or no, let them eat claps. And there was a right-wing <laughs> right group that got hold of it, and they were all voting no, let them eat claps. Oh. Imagine what kind of person would go on a poll. Like, the idea was we wanted to create a biased poll because who else, what do you want to do? Show solidarity to nurses or not? Like, what do you want to do? Is that is that, you know, I think everyone wants to show nurses solidarity. If someone chooses to go on strike, it's not easy it's so hard to do. It's like you've got to go through all these hoops, all these hoops, and your employer can lie to you and say, we're going to give you this one day and say, we're going to give in to your demands and then go, actually, we're not. And then you have to reballot. You know, this is not an easy process. And yet people are just like, oh, God, no, I couldn't possibly. I could never deem of such a thing. And and it's really annoying. I can't. I, I, I hate it when people think strikes are just the easy option because it is the last resort of desperate people. And the only people at fault for a strike are the employer. Thank you. Sam, very briefly. Uh, 56% of Tory voters think that the the government have got it wrong on this 1% pay for NHS staff. Um, so they've definitely got it wrong. <laughs> Hopefully we will see a U-turn. I was disappointed. I was disappointed on question time. Any answers? A whole load of people basically saying, uh, so I've had it worse than them, so I haven't got any pay rise at all. And the idea of solidarity seems to have died. Final comment uh, to Stuart on this. I'm just sick of MPs, you know, Tory MPs saying that we recognise how important nurses and social workers and teachers are and then saying, well, we're going to do now about it, get back down the food bank staff. Um, next question. Thank you very much. It's outrageous. I'm sorry. Um, if you're not outraged by that, you're watching, you're listening to the, watching the wrong show. Um, Paul Daly, um, Pretty Patel reaches a £340,000 settlement with ex-home office chief Philip Ruttenham. Now, you're going to have to fill in a bit of the background on this before you start talking about what, what, what you think about it. Can you just explain it to us, Paul? Okay, so um, a chief civil servant was accused of... Uh, sorry, accused Pretty Patel of bullying. He's not the only one. There are, there, there are quite a lot of civil servants saying that Pretty Patel was going in and using bullying tactics in her role as Home Secretary. And a little bit of background on Pretty Patel. Pretty Patel is alleged to have tried to uh, spend the foreign aid budget on uh, Israel's military, which is why Theresa May had to sack her. 
Um, you know, so this is like that. That's you know, if that's true, that's that's pretty close to treason, isn't it? That's like a pretty treasonous act to say that we're going to spend um, our money on a foreign military. But anyway, um, back to Pretty Patel. Sorry, back to this the issue at hand. Um, so Pretty Patel has been accused of using like you know really really bullying tactics, and anyone who's worked with someone like that. Um, knows what it's like to be bullied in a workplace, you know, these unreasonable demands, you know. I've, I've worked in places where people have been in tears. I've, uh, I've worked in a place where um, someone lost a life, um, took their own life because of, um, because of bullying, because of a, a really unreasonable boss, and it's absolutely disgusting. But what they do is rather than admit fault, they will, um, in these cases, they will use a lot of the time public money because my profession's teaching public money to shut people up. And um, I will, like, you know, that happens all too often. So instead of admitting guilt publicly, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, well, there's a, there's a sum of money. You're not allowed to say I did that anymore. And in this case, that sum of money is £340,000 to pretend that Pretty Patel is not a bully. So um, they've said, well, we've we've had no no liability, but you know, paying three hundred and forty thousand pounds doesn't really say you're not guilty, does it? And court costs. So they so, but it's okay for Pretty Patel because she's a government minister, so she can take that out of the public budget. That budget could have been like you know, could have paid for, I don't know. 10 nurses for a year or it could have paid for all sorts of different things but instead it's paid to cover up her bullying how disgraceful is that how disgraceful is it so she is not guilty of bullying because she had enough money because she had access to the public purse Mm -hmm. to stop her being accused of bullying that's it this is disgusting more lawsuits to follow we'll be paying for it thank you for those comments and for um, clarifying things for me that I just didn't know. God bless you, Paul. Um, uh, Stuart, a comment? Uh, it's just sad that it's got to this point where, you know, society won't just call out a bully for being a bully. You know, this re- this really should be getting, you know, you know, exposed and, you know, at a level where Pretty Patel has to walk away from the job. You know, you, you, you couldn't get another job again kind of stuff. You'd never be taken seriously if you were found to be this kind of bully in the workplace, but it's as if it's nothing. And what, what that does to the whole, you know, conversation around bullying in the workplace is just disastrous. It normalises yeah. um, a, a, a standard of probity in government, which is absolutely unacceptable. Whereas we just accept anything now from these people. Um, nobody bats an eyelid. Um, Sam? Well, the problem is she she is a uh, a role model to our young Tory MPs, isn't it? Uh, like my MP, Deanna, idolises her, uh, comes out on social media to defend her. Um, and that is, like, to some people, they look at her and they want to copy her. And that's the real concern. It's Lane more few more worry for the future uh, i was in a cross party thing 
and I was working with a conservative councillor and she was all about this resilience. If you can show real resilience, you'll get on. And um, that's, the, that's the difference between the Labour Party and the Conservative Party, isn't it? Conservative Party want you to be tough as all boots and if you're not tough, it's your fault. And the Labour Party want to look after you, hopefully, hopefully so that you don't have to be so resilient that you're not a human being anymore. So, uh, yeah, that, that's what I worry about. Um, it, it, it's a isn't it? Um, we have somebody posting inappropriate links. Um, can we just chuck them off and delete those posts? Is, is there somebody in a position to be able to do that, please? Um, please don't misuse the chat. I've also ignored the chat for such a long time because we're, we're running out of time. Lovely discussion all the time. Um, uh, Priti Patel, um, uh, uh, last comment, Tina. Any, 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 have you anything to add to what's been said? Um, I just think that <clears throat> for me, you know, I've got this, I just don't understand why, um, if she is the perpetrator of bullying, which, you know, is clearly the case, why does that money have to come out of the public funds? Um, and I think maybe she'd be less likely to do some bullying if she had to pay for it out of her own pocket. But I think, you know, it, it's not just, I think, you know, for her, you know, this is, this seems to be, you know, she's just callous. You know, you only have to look at some of the stories that have come out, you know, in relation to, to the work that she does. Um, it's not, this isn't just a one-off. This is, this is her, she, there's just a cruel streak, you know, and I, and I don't think it's anything to do with, gender or anything to do with that it's just she is a nasty person and and has not been held to account and I think this is something that we see across the the whole cabinet you know whether it's you know Gavin Williamson whether it's Matt Hancock you know there's just none of them I do I just every day I kind of ask myself what do these people have to do before they get the sack and I just there's you know there's no it just seems to get worse and worse and worse and yeah, you know, we're, we're in a bad state. Yeah, the Tories are higher. We, we, we sort of have run out of time on this topic, but I'm going to ask you this, Tina. The Tories are higher in the poll. Is it, is it seven points ahead now? It seems that the nastier they are. I mean, somebody said last week, Stockholm Syndrome. I mean, how can you explain that they are callous is the word? They don't give a tinkers about people like you and me except to sort of strippers of our money um to to sort of so that they can keep the taxes down to their rich friends and give big contracts and sort of why do people why do you think people keep supporting them praising them defending themselves so the because there's nobody criticizing them the media aren't criticizing them the opposition isn't criticizing them there is nobody saying this is what these people are doing and, and when we were trying to do that, what was the, the leader of the opposition saying? Now is not the time. Well, when is the time? When is the time that the leader of the opposition is going to stand there and call out the corruption, the bullying, the misappropriation of public funds, the crushing of ordinary people? You know, if, if now isn't the time, when is? And, and that's why. That's why. So, and, and again, we're, I'm, I'm stealing time. I'm stealing time from poor old Stuart. But so that when we do this, what they come back at us and say, you are um, reducing the Labour Party to a party of protest. You're just protesting. You're, you're, you're not serious politicians. I mean, what's your answer to that argument? That when, I mean, when we call these things out, 
Um, do, do we diminish ourselves to a party of protest? What's your response? I think at the moment, yes, we do, because we aren't offering an alternative. But when we did have a credible leadership, which was you know, offering an alternative, that wasn't just a party of protest because it was offering another alternative. It was offering solutions to the problems that not just the government that we're creating, but that are being created anyway due to, you know, whether it's pandemic, whether it's due to financial crisis, we had solutions. Protest is whenever you're just protesting against something. That's what they do the odd time at the moment where you hear a little bit of, oh, that's really bad. And then I think it was even, you know, referring back to, you know, Andrew Marr on Sunday, whenever um, Jonathan Ashworth was asked, well, you know, what would you do, you know, in, in this scenario? Oh, well, mm, you know, couldn't really offer anything. That's what protest is. I think you're wrong, but I don't have an answer to, to how we would do it better. You know, you, you look at when Jeremy Corbyn was leader, how many U-turns he was able to force from the Theresa May's government, from Boris Johnson's government. That's actual opposition when you're forcing your opponents to turn their, their, their agenda around. That's being an opposition, not being a, a, a scaffolding to something that's about to fall apart. It's just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Thank you. A scaffold, we are <laughs> supporting the, the crumbling edifice. That's a brilliant uh, image. Um, last question. Though. Sorry? Forensic, though. Yes, absolutely. Spot on. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, the, um, Stuart, last question. Um, and uh, sort of, I'm not going to let these other three people talk if you want to talk for the full four minutes. Divide and rule. Tories accused of levelling up stitch up over regional deprivation fund. Tell us what on earth that's about and, and, and then give us your thoughts on it. Well, apparently, uh, money's been made available by the government to go to, you know, the most deprived areas in, in Britain. And it turns out that a big chunk of these most deprived areas are just Tory voting areas with the Tory MP. And uh, when they've been questioned on what made these areas, uh, you know, targets for this money, the government couldn't provide any information on how, how they'd come to the conclusion that, that this money should go there. Uh, I think it was out of the top 45, 39 uh, had Tory MPs some of the places that this money that is going to, you know, for, de you know, deprivation include uh, areas that aren't even in the top 200 constituencies uh, for, for worst levels of deprivation. So it's it's completely come back to that thing about the, the budget and uh, Teesside and it's about buying votes, isn't it? It's, uh, it's levelling up only where there's a Tory MP, not where we really need it, no matter, you know, what the cost is. So, Richmond, Stuart, that's a deprived constituency. Richmond, the constituency of Rishishunak. I lived there. There you go. Is, it, is it deprived? deprived? Is it hell? It's about two, <laughs> it's about sort of, it, it's, it, it's, it's way up the moment, at least deprived. But it, and it's, he's a useless MP as well. All he does is go to the opening of an envelope, for God's sake. He's terrible. <laughs> right, um, everybody, uh, that's the, 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 the um, end of the show, apart from one thing. This is a yes or no answer. Um, Stuart, Tina, Sam, you all answer yes or no. Paul is 
physically incapable of answering yes or no. So we, we just have you to got really annoyed that. when I didn't when I started doing yes or no. You got really annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> you said we can't have you saying yes or no to these questions. You've got to elaborate. Oh, you are just our expert on everything. We couldn't do without you. So I'm just mocking you, that's all. Right, okay. So it's a choice, people. Windsor or Sussex? Yeah, Windsor or Sussex? And I'm going to come to you, Paul, last. Stuart, Windsor or Sussex? Oh, uh, no, not having it. Go on. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Windsor <laughs> I'll tell you what there'll be 41,000 complaints about that so to <laughs> Sam 41 no, Windsor or <laughs> Sussex of course hey, Sussex my, my wife will love you Sam um, Tina Windsor or Sussex Republic Ah, now there's an answer. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you very much indeed. And Paul, you no, know, it'll have to be a yes or no answer. That we've run out of time. Windsor or Sussex? People. Explain. Because I care about people. I don't care about like a family daft thing, like a, a daft little family argument. Like I care. You know, I care that she's suffered racism. I care that, like, that there's this ridiculous institution that will defend someone who is paedophile adjacent. But I, um, you know, rather than defend a woman who's just having a baby, but I don't think this is important. I think it's important to call out racism, but I don't think this is relevant at all to any of our lives, and I don't think we should be paying for them. I think they should be privatised. I think they should have Castrol GTX on the back of the court, you know, like when they, or, or like, you know, on the on the back of the back of the Queen's hat or something like that. You know, she can have like a little sponsorship thing, and we can see who's paying for them. Because at the moment, it's the British public. So I want all of our names on the back of our hat instead. I'm a bit sick of the whole thing. It's very silly. They haven't a right to exist. They have an awful institution that they have to live within. But what an awful, awful institution it is. It's horrible for them. It's horrible for us. Don't do it. It's a very silly thing to do. Thank you. I told you, didn't I, Tina? I told you. So he asked me. He asked me. <laughs> Um, I suckered you into it. Okay, um, and that's the end of the show, people. Um, sort of, you know what happens now. We play no pass around, or at least try to play no pass around. Um, we, we, uh, I'm going to go get myself a drink of water. Uh, Tina's going to get herself another beer, and um, the um, uh, so that we come back for a, a much more relaxed time when we all commit indiscretions. And Samantha is in charge of that. You'll be all delighted to know. Um, if you have to leave us, um, please come back next week. Thank you for your comments, which are so appreciated. We're going to sort of pretend to look at in the next hour and um, sort of um, see you in five minutes. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, brilliant. He hasn't even given me an introduction to make me speak. That's great because I am capable you, of speaking without... You need no introduction. I need no introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hello everybody and your fantastic comments uh, uh tina was talking about um uh people saying that we're not serious politicians jake says no we're not serious politicians we walk around with uncombed hair and speak in three-part slogans hang on <laughs> like, <laughs> 
We've talked about this before, haven't we, Paul? It's the Tories playing politics on easy mode. I don't know how they do it. They are so incompetent and so not credible as people that you would give responsible jobs to. <laughs> like, oh, well, people are more it? likely. Pe- people are more likely to criticise people who are close to them, aren't they? So, like, if you think that the Labour Party are there supposedly representing you, and then you hear them going, "Well, actually, the important thing is to have uh, nuclear weapons." And uh, that's that's what that's going to be what's important for our lives. And uh, and it's important that business is looked after. And, you know, if nurses go on strike, you know, no one wants to see that. No one wants to see that. Don't no, Don't be naughty. Don't be naughty. It's really not going to inspire people. And that's why there is more hatred in some quarters towards the Labour Party than there is the Conservatives, because they go, well, at least I think people just go, well, I think there's a little bit of cap, like calf dopping cap doffing as well but um mm. because they do think that i think some people do accept that the tories are their superiors when actually no one's their superior everyone should be equal mm. but uh, i think that it is that closeness that people get angry about we've seen mm. it here Anne says she left the NHS because it was overworked and underpaid. Now, I had a discussion with Anne elsewhere today about unions. Somebody started a discussion about union membership and said, uh, basically, like, my union's crap, so why should I join a union? Uh, Because my union is ineffective. And I made the point that then you should get more involved in your union and make it not crap. Um... But the, the, the response was basically, uh, no, they're still going to be rubbish. And then I, I tried to say, you know, it's not just about strikes. Being in a union is a lot lot, lot more than uh, striking. So maybe, Paul, I mean, I'm sure you've got an opinion on this. What would you say to that? You'd be surprised to hit no, no I don't have an opinion. No, I do. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, um for me, the the most important thing is to get involved with the union. We do need to change some attitudes around some things because there is only there is only action that you know, like the the laws around trade unionism are so strict, they are so bad. And Blair did that; he made them worse. And then this Tory government made it worse. So it was the coalition government made it worse. They haven't had to make it any worse, but they will. Um, but you know, I think. Um, People need to get involved with the union. People need to understand the union. And if you don't want to go on strike, you don't have to. But you do have to understand that that is your ultimate power. So if you're going to give that weapon away, like, so I've heard of non-striking unions. There was one called Voice in teaching. And I thought it was the most, or ATL, before they merged with NEU, used to be a non-striking union. Now, how can you have a non-striking union? We shall give away all our power. What do you mean? Like, you know, the only thing you have the power to do is withdraw your labour, especially Mm. if you're important. There's no point in you going on strike if you're a banker because you will not change the world. Everything will tick along nicely. Everything will be fine. But if you work on the bins, go on strike, pandemonium. That's why they want to say, oh, oh, no, no, no. It's unconscionable, (laughs) unconscionable for me to have rubbish for longer than I want to have in my back garden. You know, like, you know, but because they're an important job. And that's the that's the thing. That's why they want to like people with cushy jobs who can't go on strike because it's useless for them to go on strike. Because if they didn't do the job, nothing would change. Want people who actually do important jobs to think that it's unconscionable to go on strike because they do something important 
and there's like I'm gonna I, I do this all the time. David Graeber, bullshit jobs. Read it. Just read it. You will understand a lot more. Hmm. Yeah, go on, Stuart. Yeah, I've I've seen the post and I kind of like I'm I'm seeing this from a bit of a different angle because sometimes we do get preachy and say, look, just join a union, and then you know, and people aren't really educated on why, but I I can sense the anger of why you know people are saying what what are the unions doing? Why aren't they you know having any success? And I think. You know, you've got to recognise that, that that anger and that attitude is actually something useful to the union. You know, if we can reach out to these people and say, look, we want to take what you've got and your drive and you want to, you know, change this, you know, clearly uh, awful situation and we want to put the tools in your hands to get change, that's something we can use, you know. I think it's important that we don't just... Uh, look at these situations as you know an, an attack on trade unionism because I don't think it is. I, I think it's a useful opportunity, you know, because not everybody in a trade union is going to be a socialist in mm. today's day and age. You know, people, some people are there for cheap car insurance, and that's what they want. Other people are there uh, to change the world, and I, th I think when op like opportunities like this present themselves, you've got a to really, you know, cling on to it. I mean, you don't know what industrial branch or what sector they're in. You're like, you won't, you won't really see like many manufacturing uh, uh, branches being very supportive of things like universal credit. If that, if that, you know, industrial sector is particularly well paid, because that's not something that they're fighting for. You know, they're they're showing solidarity to us and they're supporting us with with you know you know, financing and stuff, but you, you, you often won't find that there's much crossover uh, with uh, some of the activism that goes on. So I, I think we need to recognise the opportunity, you know, when, when people get really angry over nurses getting a slap in the face rather than an actual pay rise. Ma Michael's got a really good comment there. He said, uh, what tools can you put in our hands, Stuart? Um, and why haven't they been put in the hands of the people that shop stewards now? So that goes back to a little bit of what I was saying before about the the changing of the laws. So there are all sorts of laws um, that mean that you, if you ballot for strike action, there has to be a certain time period. Um, your employer can come back and do all sorts of things. Basically, the the ball is in the employer's court for any kind of industrial action. Uh, I think so. And it takes a long no. time. Not just to, you know, I, I to support, you know, what you're saying, Paul, as well. But I think, you know, the, the one thing that, that we're forgetting about in the conversation about, you know, trade unions and and, and how, how can the trade union act? And, you know, often, um, I mean, I, I've been guilty of this before, I can, you know, and I've had conversations and I've got a really good friend um, from Liverpool that, you know, I met through Twitter. He was a, a massive trade union, really high up in one of the trade unions and um, having this kind of debate before and, you know, he had said to me, you know, and this is something I've carried with me for a long time since, is that, you know, a trade union is only as powerful as the members want it to be, you know, and he'd say to me, you know, it's all good and well expecting the trade union to do something, but, you know, who are you expecting that from? You're expecting it from yourself. If you want your trade union to be powerful, make it powerful. 
Do you go to meetings? Do you go to your branch meetings? You know, do you make sure that everybody is active? If you want to gain something from your workplace, if you want to gain something for yourself, it is about the collective, but it's about making sure that you all go there. You know, nobody else is going to do it for you. And this is, you know, something I bring, you know, that we have been talking about in the political education stuff, Paul, as well, is that, you know, nobody's going to do it for us. You know, there isn't a magical leader of the trade union who's going to come in and go, right, I'm going to do this for you and I'm going to make sure that, you know, your working conditions are great and your pay is amazing and, you know, all this stuff. If you're frustrated by something, go to your branch and make sure you get everybody else frustrated about it as well. Bring another 10 people from your workplace as well and say, look, if we all come here, we can all actually make this change, you know, and make sure that we're talking about it and encouraging people to do that because, the employer isn't going to make those changes for you. He isn't going to come in and go, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you all an extra five pound an hour this week. Isn't this amazing? Because you're all in your trade union. Is he hell? You know, <laughs> we, you know we've all got to go there and be like, right, right, I'm here. This is what we're going to do. We're going to organize. We're going to get ourselves together. We're all going to campaign on this thing. And, and I think that's where a lot of the conversation has been lost. That's where a lot of the, the discussion about trade unions has been lost, that it, it's not necessarily, um, you know, people think of it as somebody else's responsibility when really the power is actually in our hands. And I think that's something that we didn't maybe take enough from what Jeremy Corbyn was trying to say whenever, you know, when he, when he um, I think it was at Glastonbury, wasn't it, when he uh, recited the Mask of Anarchy, you know, we are the people. If we just shake off those chains and do the things that, we know is in our power we we can actually do this and i think we've just got to ignite that flame again in people and make people realize that you know yeah the unions need reformed they are the big boys club and everybody gets this and that you know jobs or whatever but the union itself and what it does is about the people that are that are in the union we are the union mm -hmm. yeah go ahead Stuart. yeah and I, I know michael said like what what have what, what have the unions done and like unite community uh you know fighting for community type things uh what we got success and what it took was you know a handful of people coming together with that same anger and passion and want to change something and, it, and if you remember the plates that went out on mp's uh offices and it got them to get you know get those meals for those kids to feed those kids that came from my branch that was people i was with you know and th th honestly a lot of them wouldn't take credit for it you know they did it under the cover of darkness right because of what was going on in the world but th they wanted to see the world changed and they did a little bit and they'll keep they'll keep doing it it'll, it'll take a while but we'll get there yeah. do you have any to say on this john sorry do you have anything to add I'm just enjoying listening to the comments, uh, Sam. I mean, I do have two comments about unions. Um, but sort of, um, um, and the first one is about strikes. Um, that there is no point in striking if it's not going to affect anybody. And and one of the the sticks they used to beat strikers with is look at the damage you're doing. Uh, sort of absolutely. There's, there's sort of unless you're doing damage, who's going to listen to you? And that's why a bin man strike is, is it bin person a bin strike is um, so much more powerful <laughs> than a banking strike. Uh, sorry to say, what did you say, Sam? Refuse collector. You should know this, John. <laughs> Refuse collector strike <laughs> is um, 
I was talking to the chap in charge of the, the, the bin collections the other day and I was talking about bin men and he never corrected me once. So I sort of turned him off about that. And, uh, but the second thing I've got to say about it is that um, be very careful before you go on strike because all it achieved for the strikers very often is they take themselves and their families to poverty. And even if you win, you win on the principle and you get the, the, the um, but, but the damage you've done to self in achieving. That, that, that's that's in just counterintuitive. And things like that is very often huge. So you really need to decide. Um, so that when somebody goes on strike, it's not a, a, a foolish thing done lightly. It's a very, very um, uh, selfless act. Um, in order to achieve a, a greater good at the end of it. Uh, those are the only two comments I got to make about strike. The, the thing is, though, about being careful there as well, though, but the, we the, we are infinitely careful. I've been on strike twice. Um, I've worked to rule for years, but like I've worked to rule within a workplace for years, and it's been terribly detrimental to my career as a, as a trade union representative, as the person who was seen as the figurehead of that, but like you know, what what's the alternative? If like the, there were literally people dying in the workplace because of the pressure they were under, because they were taking their own life, someone took you know the, that this is this is real, this is serious, and what we need to do is to understand that this is not a joke. We don't do it because we want a day off and we think it's hilarious. You know, you no one would get a strike if they thought it was hilarious and they just thought, oh, yeah, we're going to just go on strike for a day. It's really funny. You know, these are serious things. This is like a, a totally broken staff, like, you know, who were, who were like crying every single day. You go in the staff room and there's like this bleak thing and they've got to go out and face some children while they're like, you know, while they're absolutely devastated about what's going on in their lives. People don't do that. So what we should be doing is the public. We should just totally change the conversation around it. And be like, if someone goes on strike, I automatically support you because you have jumped through the numerous legal hoops, which are incredibly difficult to get through, include complete gaslighting. And then some people saying, like, we called off three strikes because um, because the person said, yes, I will accept all your demands. And then the next day when we went on strike, they said, no, we won't. I'm going to go back to normal now uh, because you haven't gone on strike. So we had to go 12 weeks after we had to reballot and do it again. The system is against people who want to go on strike. If you manage to go on strike, that's a failure of management. It's not a failure of the people. It's not a failure of the people who work in a place. This really, really frustrates me. So I would offer automatic solidarity to anyone who goes on strike because that is a workplace. That is one or two or three or ten people amongst thousands of people who are failing that workplace, who are doing a really bad job, who are not looking after the people. That is who we're going after. We're not going after anyone else. So when the teachers go on strike, that's the government failing the teachers. When the nurses go on strike, and they're probably going to have to, I'll fully support them because the government have failed them. Their employers have failed them. They go into food banks. They've saved people's lives. They've had this awful time through a pandemic. Look at the photos of them with marks all over the faces from the masks all day, things like that. And in the horrible, horrendous situation and the number of them who have died. And we are not going to support them, are we not? Well, we'll clap on a doorstep because that's easy. But all it's going to take is one Daily Mail article that says 
my nana died because nurses were on strike and next thing it's the divide and rule thing and this is the issue that we've got it's it's not necessarily that people don't support strikes it's just that we are so divided as a class where everybody is pitted against each other so for example as you know paul school teachers go on strike oh they get six weeks holiday they finish work at three o'clock they get their weekends Everybody thinks about the, the conditions that they're in, which are really bad. So instead of looking at the above, but who's creating those circumstances and who's making, you know, employment really bad, then look at this, the person beside them. Yeah, sure, you get six weeks holiday. What are you talking about in the summer? Sure, you just sit about and do nothing, you know. And then they'll look at the nurses or they'll look at, you know, whoever else. And it's all about divide and rule, you know. And this is the issue that, and, and, and yet I come back to the same thing where I come back to the Labour Party. And I come back to, well, what are they trying to do to support the people who, you know, we are the party of the, of the ordinary, you know, person, the, the, the workers, you know, it, uh, you know, wh whoever that may be. So come back to the interview, you know, with uh, John Ashworth and uh, Andrew Marr on Sunday. And it was like, well, you support the nurses on strike. And it was like, oh, nurses don't want to go on strike. Well, nobody wants to go on strike. But he just wouldn't categorically say yes when those people are pushed to the point where they feel they have to walk away, where they have to down tools and walk away and say, we are going on strike, he couldn't actually say, I will do that. That is a massive letdown. And that then leads to the public thinking, well, why aren't the Labour Party going to support the nurses on strike? And it puts that element of doubt. So then whenever you have the media that comes in with all those layers of selfish nurses, selfish this, selfish that, selfish teachers, it just reaffirms, you know, that they shouldn't be doing that. And, and this is the issue that we have. And this is why we need to make sure that we have an opposition, a Labour Party that is actually for the ordinary people to defend us against the establishment who will do everything they can to make sure that, you know, we are oppressed. I believe that's why we're back at school as well. I believe that's why schools are open now, because the Labour Party failed to oppose. It's clearly not safe. Look at a graph. What happens when schools are open, coronavirus cases rise? What happens when schools were partially closed, they plummeted? Now we're open again. It's not safe. I'm doing coronavirus tests all the time, and I'm like, well, you know, there's one of my... What, your lateral flow who, ones? Lateral flow ones. 60% <laughs> chance of, like, yeah. getting a... If, I, if I'm positive, you know, it's ridiculous. So you're scraping the back of your tonsils all the time. And... <laughs> you like, <laughs> And... It's just this absolute messed up situation. And if the Labour Party had just said, hang on, can we not just make it safe? Because clearly partially open schools with 40% people was reducing the was reducing the rate of uh, infection. So why don't we use other community spaces and stuff? They weren't strong enough on that. They said, oh yeah, we should use other things. But they didn't say they were going to do anything. They didn't really oppose, did they? They supported. Or, 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 or like, you know, ifs, no ifs, no buts. Yeah, I don't forgive them for that. I really don't, and I really don't forgive Kate Green for what she said to NASUWT teachers. She told us what teachers thought. She was sitting in a room full of teachers, a virtual room full of teachers, and mm. says, well, the teachers I've spoken to have said that. Why don't you speak to the teachers in the room who are saying it's not safe? Well, actually, mm. I'm going to dismiss your opinion because I've already got an opinion that I want. What's or the she's point? got the top line from the party that's telling her to say a certain thing because, oh, no, they could not be listening to the unions the party of the unions didn't yeah. want to be seen to be listening to the unions. Wow. Looking glass, we're through it. You know, it's... 
Need to bring Stuart in. He's been trying to talk for ages. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just as kind of a brainwave, we've all been talking about strikes a lot, and we don't really communicate the idea of escalation very well. You know, when stuff gets in the newspapers and on the internet, it's at the very end of a very long process, and we need to get better at, you know, giving the narrative and building our story and explaining how we got to a strike situation so that, you know, people are on our sides because they feel a part of that journey. We need to get better at that. All right, I'm going to run through some of the comments, some of the best comments that made me laugh during the during the show, and then we'll wind up. Uh, Mark, no, not Mark. Jake says, if Paul lets that fringe grow anymore, he'll have to be a Gabrielle tribute act. Uh, there's, he's gone a long, he's grown a long way. This Paul, he started off as a Lego man, and now he's a Gabrielle tribute act. <laughs> Um, oh, not a funny one. Leanne said solidarity with Karen, who's been fined £10,000 for safely protesting. Uh, I'm sure we all agree with that. Um, that's just a ridiculous, ridiculous fine. I understand if you, you know, I don't want to get into this fining protesters. Obviously, I don't want to find protesters, but you might have to find people for breaking coronavirus rules, but not £10,000. Is it, is it just worth uh, raising the point, though, that uh, the crowdfund raised that money? So ordinary people raised the money within yeah. one evening to pay for that. So, you know, big up the people for doing that. But it's always ordinary people. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. us paying for the food banks to put a sort of, um, sort of, basically, the Tories have worked a flanker whereby um, they're taking the taxis off us they're not producing the services and we're going in our pockets, the ordinary British people going in their own pockets to sort of make good the massive and criminal lapses in the welfare state which have appeared in the last 10 years under the Tory government. So you um, mean to tell me the Pretty Patel didn't pay, didn't write out that 10 grand cheque there was me thinking that she'd done something I good. mean, really, it's just everything it comes, it, it, they, they get away with everything and um, it's just absolutely outrageous sorry all right tim says shout out for acorn the union i am a member of acorn the union i sent acorn the union a message asking them if they'd give me any money for my campaign and they said no but i'm not going to hold that against them <laughs> to be fair they need it for their um yeah work you know yeah. they're, they're they not a rich have union money. You're not a rich union yet. I'm not a rich person. <laughs> Maybe when uh, they become Oak, the union. The, 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 uh, the, the, boom, boom. He says, get Neve on. Get Neve on, political muted. Yeah? We, we, we love Neve. Neve, Neve, Neve. Can, Neve's got an open invite. He's got an open invite. There you go. Uh, she spoke very well on the Women's Banner Group session she was on the other night for International Women's Day. Uh, go and check that out. We did three really good panels, Women in Politics, Women in Trade Unions and Women in the Community, where we shockingly gave women a microphone and let them speak in their own words. I know, it's revolutionary. Um, Carl says, don't forget the 1.3 million people on uh, low wages who are now going to be pushed into income tax over the next three years. Very good point. You know, this whole thing about freezing the, the uh, personal allowance for tax. Uh, just... Yet again, same story. Yeah. Uh -huh. although, although I would just rather people be paid more and pushed into paying tax and well, actually exactly. paying tax, just pay people more 
um, just pay people a proper rate and then really, really tax the people who tax the money that isn't needed, tax that out of the system. But I think paying tax isn't, it shouldn't be a thing that's like seen as a negative as long as people are being paid enough to do it. I don't resent anything that comes out of my tax. Like nothing at all. It's difficult, Laura but says you know it's what's fun. On the show on Thursday, so if you have not met Neve, you can come and have a look on Thursday. She's a fantastic young um, campaigner from Durham or in Durham. She's not from Durham. It's complicated. Maybe she'll tell you at the time. Um, Jake says, "Where is the three hundred and fifty million pounds that we were uh, promised a uh, week after Brexit?" That's a really good point. I hope it's uh, dawning on some people that that money's never going to arrive. Uh, Vonnie says the airport in Teesside is for Northeast Tory MPs to fly to London so they don't have to share the train with Labour MPs. <laughs> What's left of the Labour MPs? What's left of the Labour MPs <laughs> indeed. Um, someone else commented that it was more just like the normal people. They don't want to they want to be on planes and also get out of the northeast as quickly as possible because they live in London because we know this from their Tinder profiles. Not that I have one, but someone told me that they saw Dehenna on there. Oh, my God. You're in trouble with Laura. <laughs> it wasn't me. She knows about it was Sam. <gasps> Sorry, Sam. Uh, I'm not on Tinder just before anybody looks. Don't get too excited. <laughs> um... Yeah, Leanne said, can we have a moment's silence for the, department, the departure of Piers Morgan from GMTV? Can we just uh, clap? Can we just clap? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it always messes my head up because they call it GMB, don't they? And then I thought, oh, what, have, what are they doing now? But there's two GMBs. As one's a TV programme and one's a union with an orange. And they're both as bad as each other. I didn't say that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Leanne said Facebook's had gremlins all day that kicked her out of an emergency meeting to support Karen the nurse uh, and she missed at Michael Rose's at least she's Rose's taken back. Huh? Taken back Karen at least she's taken back Karen yeah. you know like a Karen used to be a bad thing and now we're all supportive of Karen's Reclaim again Karen. <laughs> Reclaim the um, team Reclaim the name yeah. uh, Let me just have a quick look at the last ones that have come up Yeah uh, how, how do we push through when we've got right-wing media uh, that only tours the conservative and neoliberal line? That is just such a huge question, isn't it? Uh, Become a member of Socialist Think Tank, which is free, but you can donate if you want because it costs us loads. But if you want to, if you, if you can afford it, but it doesn't mean you get any special privileges for donating. We just, just our gratitude, but we're just as grateful for any members. So you can sign up as a member of Socialist Think Tank and that will help over time because we are getting some really good messages out. So, so that's that one way you can do it. Isn't that a very socialist thing to do? That you give according to your ability and you take according to your need. That's, that's how it should be. Good for you. And, and, and you can also buy some badges and stuff. I, I, did, did you badges? See did you see my badge? Have you shown them my badge? Maybe, some maybe someone will. Me. Maybe someone will drop the pictures in the chat. Yeah, um, it's hand, already. It's a... They made a badge of me, Tina. Made a badge of me. I've seen it. So, so if you're jealous of, um, of if you're jealous that there's a WhatsApp insider, um, there's a there's a WhatsApp insider group for socialist think tank members where you get to hear about behind the scenes things like Paul being headbutted during the um, during the women's banner group. Um, talk the other day while I was doing tech support you know 
that's the kind of insight that we can give you behind <laughs> what goes on behind the scenes when my son literally headbutted a monitor out of my ear and the sound went off because I was so headbutted so hard. So yeah, these are the kind of things you could find out as a member. There we go. I think Paul, your, your, your wife is asking you to do the the, the 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 money ad. Have you got a formal money appeal that you need to give? I think I just I think I just did it because because we don't we're not after money. If you can afford to give us something, that would be really nice. They'll but take beer just be if, you, if you want to if you want to send beer, they'll happily take that as well. Apparently, we'll take. But we we are going to have our own beer at some point as well. I know. Looking forward to that one. <laughs> So excited. so excited. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the WhatsApp group, the WhatsApp group, Leanne, you just, um, we'll, we'll, I'm sure someone will send you the link. It's on there. It's on the members area. Like, I think it comes out in the email when you, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that you're in. Just drop us a message. Right then. We are going to bring this to a close. I am I am so tired. <laughs> and I still haven't locked the chickens up. So I'm gonna go down to the allotments and hopefully not get murdered. Um... <laughs> and if you don't come back again, we know that's happened. Yeah, yeah, this is this this may be the last time you see me alive, so <laughs> and, okay. and Willis is saying and Willis is saying ten pound to give me a skinhead. I'd ship. I'm. I'm. I would be totally averse to that. So if you can raise loads of money, um, in order to give me a skinhead, it's not like I've already done that before. <laughs> right then, yeah. we're gonna say bye bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much, and thank you, Tina, for your contribution today. It's so brilliant. Thank you. Oh, Bob. thanks for having me. I'll come on and rant anytime you want. <laughs> Dream team and uh, sort of enhanced it today. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. We'll keep the red flag flying here.